0: And I am Michael,
1: and we are happy to be with you for another week of the Beers and Bible podcast. Um, I don't know what else to say. It's been a long week. Uh, <laughs> it's been a really long week. <laughs> Anthony's been dealing with some work stuff. I've been dealing with work stuff. It's just been. It felt like fall for the first time. Yeah, uh, dude. It
0: was 66 this morning here. It was it was 59 degrees this morning. Shut here. Shut your mouth. You shut your and mouth. And it when was you're talking to me.
1: It was pretty glorious. I almost, almost wore a jacket, but I did not.
0: But I put it was, my. It was really nice. I put my vest, my uh, sweater vest, on yesterday. So mm. classic old white man look. That's right. You know me. I'm every old and I'm every, white, every so
1: every worship pastor, every Southern Baptist worship pastor starts wearing vests in in like <laughs> September October, and then they true don't that. stop wearing them until like April.
0: That's true. When it's Easter time, so. That's fair. Well, we're here, we're going to drink some beer. We've had bad weeks, so we're not going to we're not going to linger on that too much. We're going to get to the good stuff. Michael, what are you going to drink tonight? So, tonight, going back
1: to Tucker Brewing Company. I've had them once or twice. Um, they're located in Georgia, uh in Tucker, Georgia. So that 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 works. Um I have the Roaring 20s Rodler. Um and it is on the can it says it's a light and extra refreshing perfect for a warm day uh 4% ABV 8 IBUs so little light looking um here uh here's a little uh blurb about it on the on the can, it says, meaning cyclist in German, Rodler was created in the early 1900s to quench bikers' thirsts. A light oh, cool. Hellas lager mixed with fresh squeezed lemonade, our Rodler, is not overly sweet, but a crisp and refreshing beer with the invigorating taste of lemon. I just got really excited about this. <laughs> um, we've had a couple of lagers before, um, back when we had the Radanks on. Radanks. Um, yeah. In, pr- in preparation for that. And, um, I don't remember what my opinion of them was, but I like the idea of a refreshing lemonade tasting beer. So yeah. um, I'm, I'm hopeful that this will be a good one. And I, and I need to go. I'm in I'm in kind of a weird you know I had a four Luther beer last week, but it hadn't been much going on in the way of good beers for me here lately. Yeah. So hopefully tonight that'll
0: that'll change and will be. We'll be doing better. So what are you drinking? That's right. Tonight I am. So I went to the store and I always have a story behind buying my beer. I was in a mood for a margarita tonight. And so I picked up a a bottle of margarita mixer to come home with. And I'm walking down the beer aisle trying to pick out a beer. And I'm like, hey, look, there's a margarita goes. I'm going to get that. So Cigar City Brewing uh, has the margarita and it is pronounced goes like G-O-E-S. Thank you. English language. It's spelled G-O-S-E. And it's pronounced G-O-E-S. Ask me why.
1: It actually rhymes
0: with rose, R-O-S-E. Well, there you go. But you got goes and goes. You goes over to get your goes. And and those two words are spelled differently. Anyway. You could have a rose uh, goes. You could have a rose goes. You
1: could could goes to get your rose goes.
0: (laughs) This is getting out of hand really
1: quick. And we haven't I haven't had anything to drink tonight. You've had at least one margarita. I had like, one so. margarita.
0: Yes, with my dinner. I did. I had a margarita with my dinner. Um, but uh it's it's uh this one looks really interesting. So it just says um tropical influence meets innovative brewing in this tart margarita-inspired ale. Uh evervescent on the palate, the margarita goes, utilizes orange peel, lime, and salt to create a zesty, light-bodied and unique beer experience. So I'm not sure about the orange. Well, you put orange juice
1: into margarita. So I've never put orange juice in a margarita. Well, then, then you're not making it right. I usually just have the mixer and tequila. That's all I need. <laughs>
0: little, you, little, 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 uh, uh, salt. one part hmm. tequila, one part mixer and one part OJ. It'll change your life. If you say so, it will. So, well, let's Is drink beer. Let's crack make margaritas. Oh yeah, so that's how I make them. them. Oh, well
1: then, mm-hmm. when you've when when you made them for us, then yes, I've had them that way, but <laughs> I've never made them that way.
0: There you go. And I put salt in my margarita. I don't put it on the rim or on the outside. I put it in the actual margarita and shake it up. I think it makes it taste better. It's been
1: so long since I've made them. I have no idea what I do.
0: <laughs> well, let's crack them open and drink, shall we? Let's do it. Here we go. Three, two, one. Crack! I did upgrade my beer fridge this week. I'm so proud of you for upgrading your fridge, by the way. If this were Tommy Boy, it'd be like, that's where I can put my six packs of soda. If you've never seen Tommy Boy, you should go watch it. I love that movie. I mean, you can put soda in it. You can put... That's I do have one lie. one Coke in there, so... Okay,
1: this smells... Oh, there's the lime. I was like, this does not smell like lemon at all. And then it hits you, like, way after the fact. Yeah. It's interesting.
0: This has so, a... It doesn't smell like a margarita. Awesome. Well, there's no tequila in
1: it, so just... That's true. That, <laughs> that meant, you may have found a new mixer.
0: I may yeah, and I'm putting this in. Ooh, because you add an additional four point two percent to your margarita. Mm. It does smell good though. It smells really like, almost like a not quite sour, but a little bit sour. So it says refreshingly tart.
1: Mine smells like something like is burning on the stove, and then the lemon smell kicks in. It's really weird. That's weird. I'd be suspicious of that. I don't know. I don't know how it smells like something burning. And then like the deeper, the the deeper, the inhale you get, there's a little bit of lemon smell at the very end. I'm hoping it doesn't taste like
0: something burnt on the <laughs> stove. Bur-
1: that would be terrible. That would not be great for me. But well,
0: let's turn them up and drink them, shall we? Let's do it. Cheers. Bottoms up.
1: That's really nice.
0: I think I can go first this week. Because, go ahead. All right. So this thing is actually really interesting. It's it's almost like a margarita without tequila in it. <laughs> um, Does it taste
1: like it's just missing the alcohol? Like it just tastes like a like a no, uh, version margarita?
0: No, it's like all right. So if you've ever had just straight margarita mixer, like mm-hmm. it. I mean, it's it's almost to me. Straight margarita mixer is kind of like flat sprite. Okay. All right. It, you get the like you get that lime flavor, a little bit of lemon flavor, but it's just like it's it's like it's got the water. So this has tendencies of that, but it f- it feels like margarita mixer and beer came together. Hmm. It's and and it makes this like quasi sour. Taste, Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. like when it says refreshingly tart, yes, it is refreshingly tart. It's very light. Um, this would be a fantastic like outdoor beer, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm surprised by this. I really am. Uh, I I figured I was gonna enjoy it because I do like margaritas, but I'm a little, I'm a little more surprised than I thought I was gonna be. So. The, the really good flavor, uh, you definitely get that lime tart. Uh, that's what you like, that margarita-esque flavor. You get that. It definitely is a beer, so you can get the beer qualities out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It's a light ale. Um, you get all that out of it. Um, so it says it, it has hints of like lime and salt in there because it's mm-hmm. brewed with salt in it. Which I thought was, that's where I thought it was going to get me. And maybe that's what's making it give that margarita taste. But I'm really impressed by this. I'm going to have to give it, I'm not going to give it five, but I'll give it four and a half Luthers. Okay. So okay. this is pretty good. Pretty good. Glad I have five more. Good.
1: Um. So mine is very, very good. Um. It almost tastes like Country Time Lemonade. Um, it's not as like it's not as sweet as like country time lemonade would be but it has that very strong lemon flavor yeah now you were just talking about it I was thinking mine would be good to use as a margarita mixer <laughs> Um, like it's got that really crisp sour flavor from the lemon uh, from the lemons um, yeah it's really light I it goes down so easy it 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 also flirts with the line of being a sour, like like yeah. like you were saying. So um this is really good. Um I think my wife is gonna really enjoy it when she comes and gets one here in a minute. Um <laughs> but I'm also gonna give the rodler four and a half Luther's out of five. Um nice. fantastic drink. Um I can't quite give it five. Um I'm really tempted to, but I'm gonna I'm gonna reserve it. For now, um, I may change my mind here in a minute, but the four and a half Luthers out of five for me. Nice for the Rodler from Tucker. Um, it's just a really good drink. It's really light, really refreshing. Um, it I think, like a after uh, cutting the grass or doing something outside, this would be a nice, really nice, refreshing uh, beer to have. So yeah, um, Tucker coming in hot. I'm trying to remember what they got on their last. I gave them five Luthers on their last thing that I had. Has been a while though; it's been over mm-hmm. hundred episodes ago. But um, Tucker Brewing's doing pretty well here. Um, nice on the two drinks that I've had for them. So
0: nice. Well, there's a couple of beer reviews. Uh, the uh, margarita goes getting four and a half. The what flavor Robler was it? Um, it's just a.
1: I guess lemon, it, is lemon. It's just, it's the, it's called a Roaring Twenties Rodler. Um, Okay. It's just a, it's a light Hellas lager mixed with fresh squeezed lemonade. Okay.
0: There you go. So. So that getting four and a half Luthers from Michael. And now we're going to slide into the book of Colossians. We've made it through some of Paul's letters. We're going to finish up the big four tonight. General Electric Power Company. That's how I, I memorized that when I was a kid. Galatians, mm. Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, General Electric Power Company. Um, hey, got to do what you got to <laughs> do, man. Whatever works thing, for you. That's right. The things I learned when I was a kid that, you know, it's funny. Like, I don't think I would have ever thought about that, but just as we've been like doing things like this, I'm remembering those little tidbits that I learned as a kid. They're just coming back. Right. It's kind of funny. Yeah. So, Anywho, we're going to dive into Colossians and we're going to do it right after this break. Welcome back from that short break. We are here to dive into the book of Colossians tonight. And it's another one of Paul's letters. Um, so I'm going to give you some uh, some orienting data as we set up the book here. Um, this letter is actually it's written to a young church. So, um, of course, all the churches really in this time were very young. But this one, when Paul wrote the letter, I mean, it's like it had just really started maybe... In the last year uh, of of getting this letter. Um, and so he's really like he you're gonna notice through this book that he's very encouraging to them. Um, this is a little different than like Galatians, um, even though the the kind of the structures are are very similar and there's a lot of the same types of uh of warnings and things like that. He's he's a little more kid gloves in Colossians. I love the book of Colossians for the record. Um, mm-hmm. one of my favorites. They're all my favorite. But anyway, um. so Paul's going to warn them to stay away from or stay outside of external religious uh, influences. OK, this is and it, that's what I'm saying. Like, you're going to see this parallel Galatians. He's like, you guys got to quit. And in Colossians, he's like, all right, so here's what you got to avoid. You know, he's he's mm-hmm. a little more he's got more of the kid gloves on. Um, he's more of like a teacher, uh, whereas in, in Galatians, he's more of a corrector, I guess you could say. Um, but this is written by Paul, obviously, with Timothy there. Timothy traveled with Paul uh, on some of his missionary journeys. And so they were together and, and they there is we talked about, it, I think, last week with the the belief or the argument that Paul that Timothy actually helped write some of these Um mm-hmm. Again, I don't know where I fall on that. We're not going to dive into that again. It's it's not important. So it's, you know, it doesn't affect this being scripture or not being scripture. Um, but it's written at roughly 60 AD, and it's written to the church in Colossae, which was mostly Gentile. So um we're we're getting outside of the the Jewish uh strongholds in, in a lot of these, and we're getting to some of these others, and as we go on into the the Pauline letters, we're gonna we're gonna see more Gentile because Paul was the apostle to the Gentiles. You got Peter to the Jews, Paul to the Gentiles. I think we've already said mm-hmm. that. But Colossae was was this city that was not really influential. I, I guess you could almost call it like a a suburb. Um there was three cities that that were right there together. I can't remember the names of them all off the top of my head. Um, but there was three cities that were there right together. colosse participated in a, in a lot of their their trade back and forth but they just weren't they weren't a major player Um, Mm -hmm. and so, so they didn't have a lot of influence. They didn't tout a lot of things, not like Ephesus did. Um, they didn't have, they couldn't assert their will onto other towns because they had this, you know, great thing that nobody else could offer that kind of thing. So just kind of helps you get a picture of what the city of Colossae is like. Um, this is, I mean, if I, if I'm trying to put this into modern terms, this is going to be a very small, probably a little bit more rule-esque But still close enough to a big city to have the benefits of a big city, but still has that kind of small town mentality and small town ethic, I guess, if you will, for if I'm talking mm-hmm. in modern terms. OK, um, and so so Paul is going to to write this letter uh, because of an update that he got from Epaphras um, and Epaphras gave him a good and kind of not so good, good uh update on the church. And so he's kind of doing this encouraging, instructing, uh, teaching teacher model thing that he's going to do, um, in a lot of his books, but he's doing it really here with Colossae, um, and the book of Colossians. And so Mm -hmm. we're going to see four, really five major emphasis here throughout the book. We're going to, the first thing that we're going to see is the absolute supremacy and the sufficiency of Christ. Um, right on in a chapter one. We're going to get to that when we do the walkthrough, but, but one of my favorite, uh, outside of like Philippians two and Ephesians one, Colossians one is another one of those, just like Christological passages that you're just like, yeah, I mean, it'll, it'll get your, it'll get your blood boiling. Um, so you got the supremacy of Christ and then he's going to focus on, um, those who are in Christ having forgiveness of sins and freedom from the powers. Now, this is going to draw from ephesians a little bit um and it's going to really it's going to draw from galatians as well when you're talking about freedom um but remember back in ephesians where paul really asserted that we had dominion or we had rule over the powers of of the world and then in mm-hmm. in galatians he talks about freedom uh freedom from the law freedom from the things that that did bind us and and now they don't anymore um and he's going to root all of that in Christ and, and the forgiveness of sins that comes through being in Christ. Um, so it's, it's, again, it's, it's very parallel to the book of Ephesians in that aspect. Um, and then we have, he's going to say, uh, he's going to point out that religious rules and regulations, uh, pretty much count for nothing. Um, think of Galatians here. It's not about, uh, obeying the law. The law had its purpose and the law was fulfilled in Christ. And so, um, it's not a requirement to be exactly what the law says. You know, now there are good parts of the law, and the law is good for helping us uh live a Christ-like life and live a, a, a good moral life. That is true, but it's not what leads to salvation. The law does not lead to salvation mm-hmm. in any aspect. And you have to be able to separate those two things. Um, and and say that I'm not going to put an external uh, rule that is the law that may, might be a good rule and say that that is this ne- necessity for salvation. Mm-hmm. Um, because that is clearly not what scripture teaches. Okay. Salvation is in Christ and Christ alone. And so, um, He's going to talk about that, and then he's going to uh, talk about an ethical life and how uh, when our ethical life bears God's image, that that counts for everything. Um, And so, again, it's the marrying of that. The law will show you how to live an ethical life. The law can teach you, and it can be an instruction tool. Though it is not for salvation, it will help you in your journey on being more like Christ and living in Christ and in the forgiveness that you have in Christ uh, and therefore the power that you have over uh, the world, the, the, the worldly powers and all of that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, And so it's going to, it's going to lead to our moral lives. And then of course the, the last thing that he's going to talk about is, Um, Christ-like living is going to affect all of our relationships when we live in a certain way, when we carry ourselves, uh, dictated by the Christian worldview, and I I guess it's probably the way I'm going to say that, Mm -hmm. um, you know, when we have a biblical worldview and and we let that biblical worldview affect the way that we live and the way that we carry ourselves, that's going to flow into our relationships all around us. Right. Um, and so, uh, you, you know, if you've listened to this podcast for a while, you've learned that Michael and I probably have some hot takes that don't really um, always agree with with what the... Ultra conservatives might say, but we also don't agree with what ultra liberals might say, because I think there's there is that balance in the middle, you know, and and you can you can say you can love a person just for being an an image bearer of God, but you don't have to love uh, or you don't have to affirm what that person claims to be. You don't have to say. Uh, I accept this part of you, but I still love you and I still want to share the gospel with you and I want to portray the gospel with you. And and it's just going to lead to that certain mentality and that certain vantage point on the way that you view life um, mm. and the way that you view the people who are around you and the way that you interact with those people who are around you. um, And a lot of this really is born out of the way that we we see ourselves as being in Christ, we have the righteousness of Christ imputed to us, and we see that inside of us, there's nothing good. There's nothing worth uh, any value. And so so that, that shows us that all of our value is found in Christ, and that's what we want to portray to people. And, and when we recognize what Christ has done for us, the hope and the prayer is that that, that turns us to say, I want to show the love that Christ has shown me. I want to show that to other people you know that's that's really what what Paul's talking about here at the end of Colossians uh when we're talking about Christian living and and how it affects our relationships mm-hmm. so so there's some orienting data give us some advice for how how we're going to read this book
1: i thought for a second you were just going to do everything and i was just <laughs> going to get to sit back no that's fine it was good um so some advice for reading uh the book of Colossians um some things to be looking out for um Paul's going to call out um he's going to he's going to call out false teaching in quotes um he's going to sprinkle that throughout the letter yeah it never really specifies what that false teaching is yeah and he doesn't really reference who the false teachers are paul would yeah. use phrases like anyone no one um <laughs> and he'll he'll go back and forth kind of between like between those two um there's a lot of Jewish flavor, Jewish traditions are um, yeah. addressed throughout. Um, so maybe that's some of it, but it's, it's never really like super clear. But don't get hung up on what that is. Just know that there were some there's some false teachers saying something. And the, this young church in Colossae is Paul is warning them uh, to not uh listen to or not get like entrapped with what those false teachers are teaching, but to stay yeah. true to the true gospel of Jesus. Um And what's funny is, as you were talking about it, Anthony, I've, I've noticed that the last few weeks, a lot of this is a, a repeat of yeah what Paul has written to other churches. So not that it's like, no, uh, we're just, we're hitting the same thing again. But like think about it for Paul. He's written the letter to Ephesians or to Ephesus. He's written the letter to Galatians. He's writing this letter to like it's all this, it's a lot of it is the same. And I, yeah. I imagine at some point he's like, if these guys would just get it, I could stop writing these letters. <laughs> so yeah. there's a there's a lot of overlap in, in all this, is what I'm saying. Um it's, it's then in the
0: photocopier.
1: Yeah. Hey Timothy, yeah, we already wrote this one. Just just, just it's like that thing is like, um, hey man, can I copy your homework? Yeah, just change it up a little bit so it, it's not obvious. <laughs> oh <Yep>. man. <laughs> anyway, so um sorry. Um there's gonna be a um, you know, Anthony hit on it. Paul is going to emphasize the supremacy of Christ throughout the book. Um, he's going to say that uh Christ is the um, the imminent source of authority he's the in, he's the he's the end-all be-all when it comes to how we are to live our life um, and that's why Paul is so like um trying to be preventative with these guys like say with yeah not these guys but with the church saying don't listen to these false teachers but instead follow Jesus follow what he's follow his teachings mm-hmm. um and, and and live your lives in accordance with him so um, but Paul's gonna he's gonna really emphasize that. Um, something, and I don't think, I don't think I've ever thought of this and maybe it's because I didn't know, but, um, Paul has never visited this church. Yeah. Um, he, he's never been to the church is relatively young. Um, the churches and all Paul knows is what he has heard from others about this church. He's heard of their genuine faith. Um, he's going to encourage them. He's going to try to encourage them, but he's going to warn them all throughout. Um, and you know, this should cause you to pay attention to the situation inside the church. Um, and so, you know, take that for what it's worth. Um, and then also this is going to run at the, this is going to be happening at about the same time as, um, what happens in the book of Philemon, which we'll cover in a few ish weeks. I'm not sure when. Um, but uh Onis, on, I, I messed it up. Onesimus? <laughs> Onisimus. Onisimus. Um he's sent to Philemon to seek forgiveness. Um we're gonna discuss that later. Um but the the tie here is Philemon is part of this Colossian church. Um yeah and so um you know, Paul is what Paul is doing here is preparing the church in Colossae to receive Onesimus back for yeah. whatever has happened between um, Onesimus and the church or Onesimus and Philemon. Um, so, you know, Paul is saying, "Hey, church, your brother in Christ has done what he needs to do, and you need to welcome welcome him back." Yeah because that's what we're called to do when a brother is um when a brother or sister um repents and 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 all that stuff here's how here's how we respond so um yeah. but keeping all that in mind you're going to see how that um reflects into this letter the yeah. uh, of colossians you're going to see how that theme of forgiveness and reconciliation and all that is gonna be sprinkled into this letter too. Um, so it's not just like a Philemon specific yeah, uh, thing. It's it's gonna be evident here in Colossians. So um, but there's some
0: some advice for reading the book.
1: And uh why don't we uh why don't we get into the walkthrough here?
0: Sure enough. So Colossians chapter one, we're gonna open up uh mostly the same way that Paul usually does with Thanksgiving and prayer um in this opening part of the letter paul is gonna he's gonna introduce himself he's gonna express his gratitude um for the faith of of the colossian believers and he's gonna pray for them uh one of the things that he normally uh will open with is a is a prayer i pray for you in this or i pray for you with that and he gives them a specific thing that he's praying with you know We always joke, you know, when when uh, somebody comes up to you and says, hey, man, would you pray for me for this or would you pray for me for that? And we're always like, you got it, man. And then you never pray for that person. Like Mm -hmm. um, Paul really goes in a lot of his letters. He he goes over and above to say, hey, I'm praying for you this specific way. Um, right. I'm praying that this happens, or this that you learn this, or that God shows you this, and and so He gives very good details about what He's praying for these specific churches. So it's always good to see that kind of stuff. Um, and 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 Paul's basically setting the stage for what he's going to teach him, and then uh, goes right into the end of chapter one. Uh, there or almost the end of chapter one, he talks about the supremacy of God um, here. He's going to emphasize the preeminence of Christ in all things. Um, and this is a, a very hymnic style of writing um mm-hmm. there's there's been songs written out of colossians chapter 1 that are that are hymns and and you just you kind of notice this meter that it has to it when you start reading it um and so as re, as you read through that pay attention to it because specifically verses like four, 13 14 on to like 22 and 23 um you're going to notice this this pattern where where Paul is really emphasizing and and he's really giving um just, I I I don't want to like lofty words. I guess is the way to say it. He's giving, he he's using expressive language, and and it's mm-hmm. it's beautiful. I love reading this this part of Colossians every week. Um, I say every week when I do read it. Um, He's going to describe Jesus as the image of the invisible God. He's definitely going to be focusing on not only his divinity, but also his humanity as he goes through this. Um, really kind of honing in on what theologians would call the hypostatic union. Um, mm-hmm. And so, you know, that's that divinity and and humanity of Christ. He was two uh, individual, completely separate, uh, but also one, uh, one person. And how that comes together is the hypostatic union. Um, and then he goes on to explain how Christ's sacrifice on the cross has reconciled uh believers to God, the Father, and he emphasizes their need for for the believers to have faith in Christ. And, and so uh he, he's going to keep pushing that. It's the same message that Paul Paul uh talks in every other letter uh that he writes. Um so see it again here and see how he ties it to the person and the work, specifically the person and work of Christ. Um, then that leads us into the start of chapter two, where Paul's going to talk about himself a little bit. Um, and you, again, remember, you mentioned it right here. Paul has not visited this church. So um, he's talking about himself. Maybe this is a uh, almost like a quasi-introduction to who Paul is, what he does. Um, mm-hmm. you know, again, think think about the people in this church. You you've got um Onesimus and you've got Philemon in this church. Philemon's gonna get a letter himself later. Um and and so there there is that like they know of Paul, but they don't necessarily know Paul. Um right. and so Paul's the, gonna uh, give some of his creds here.
1: Yeah the the book says that Paul didn't found, didn't even found this church or, and obviously didn't visit it. So, you know, that, that just adds this other layer. Like, think, think about it like this like, you've, you've opened a business and yeah. another business owner who has opened similar businesses to you <laughs> reaches out and says, Hey, here are some things you're doing well. Here's some things you're not doing well. Yeah. Um, I don't know how I would take that, but yeah. you know, I, I I would want to know who that other guy was. I would want to know his credentials. I don't want to know, yeah. You know, is he respected? Is he is he a goober? Like I would want to know all this stuff. <laughs> um, and I think maybe that's what Paul's doing here. Maybe he's saying, you know, hey, I know we haven't met, and I know you've only heard about me, but here's here's what my here here's here's what my role is yeah for you guys for you, yeah. even though we haven't met even though i've never been there um and, and you know i i don't i mean
0: i guess that's it i don't really know um <laughs> but yeah so he i mean you're exactly right he's going to talk about his role um as a minister um, as the really the apostle to the gentiles um, as he's known um but he's going to he's going to rejoice in the suffering that he has and also the the suffering that the colossian church has and and he's going to talk about that openly and he's going to in that that tied to suffering he's going to express his desire for their continued spiritual growth okay mm. um he wants him to be unified in christ he wants to emphasize really the importance of of knowing the mystery of God which we talked about in in Ephesians a little bit um and then all of that mystery is going to be wrapped up into the person of Christ Himself. He essentially ties all of this back to, again, ties it back to Christ, which is what Paul does so well in so many different scenarios of his. Um, and if you don't believe me, just go go read the Book of Acts. We talked about it in Acts a little bit too, but mm-hmm. but man, and he does it so well in Acts. And I and I think about you know my reading this morning. It was Paul at the Are, Areopagus, where he's I mean he's basically in the middle of a pagan city. And he starts talking to these guys, and they're like, hey, this guy's kind of smart. Hey, why don't you get up here and talk to us? And, of course, this was common in that day. So Paul gets up, and he he looks around, and he realizes the culture. He realizes the context that he's in. And then he begins to preach the gospel to them in their context. He talks about what they believe in the statute, you mm-hmm. know, the unknown God. And and so he he, but he ultimately takes all of that and points it right back to Christ, which is where everything should lead. Right, and so Paul does such a good job of that, uh, and and you can see it here when he's talking about his role and what he intends to do for this church. Um, and so uh, that gets us to the end of chapter two, where we see Christ over and against the the religious seductions uh, or or the religious rules or the religious. Um, you know, whatever you want to label it. Um, and, and this section right here is really kind of like the, the heart of letters, the turning point of the letter. Um, if we're talking about a chiasm, like this is the point where everything's about to go back out. And so mm-hmm. um, he's going to encourage the Colossians to continue to walk in Christ again. You know, he's not being the, um uh, like he was to Galatians where he's like, Hey, These people are doing it wrong, and and you people in the church, y'all need to fix it. This is more Mm -hmm. of a, hey... Let me tell you how to keep growing. Let me tell you how to keep growing. Let me how you tell you how to continue to walk in Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, and and he's going to say you got to be rooted, you got to be built up in Christ. And so he's going to keep using that language, but in the in the same tone, he's also going to warn them against human traditions. He doesn't want them to to be like the Galatian church. He doesn't want to see them turn to that. So he's going to say, hey, don't let human traditions creep in. Don't let these false teachings come in and and sway things. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's also going to emphasize that believers are complete in Christ. And I think this is an interesting point here because, because when you really truly understand the the uh the idea or the doctrine that Christ has fulfilled the law, that means it's finished. You know, go back to uh Philippians chapter one, where he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. Um, mm-hmm. you know, that's it's Christ has finished. The salvation work that we need. And it's only in Christ that we can find salvation, that we have salvation. And so we have to turn to him. We can't turn to human rituals or human regulations or, or any of these other things. And so he's going to warn them. He's going to emphasize to them, hey, These are not bad things, but you cannot let them creep in and become things that you judge salvation by, because if you Mm -hmm. do, you're going to be just as bad as these other guys. Um, And so, which is, I mean, in this day and time, that's where the Pharisees had gotten to is they had said, if you don't follow all of our rules and all of our laws and all of the things that we say, then you're not going, you know, you're not a Jew or you're not a part of our belief system. And so um, they're really putting those external regulations. And there's a lot of churches today that do that. You have to be this, or you have to be that Mm -hmm. doesn't matter what it is. They put those regulations on there. And so Paul's going to begin to warn the Colossian church against that, that mindset and and really hope to kind of keep them off the edge there. So um, Mm -hmm. that gets us through the first two chapters. Take us through the last couple. Sure. We're halfway home. Um, So um, (laughs) what? (laughs)
1: <laughs> Sorry, I must say with Bon Jovi. Um, so the uh, the first part of chapter three, um, Paul's going to um, talk about this new basis for Christian behavior. Um, and um, you're going to be able to you're going to compare this section back to Ephesians uh, chapters four and five. Um, so there's yeah. going to be a lot of the similar themes going on here. Um, Paul's going to instruct the, this, the uh, Colossians here to set their minds on the things above. And to put to death their earthly sinful nature. Um, so mm-hmm. a lot of what you were just talking about, like, you know, you're complete in Christ. That's a thing above. You're not bound by human regulations or rituals or, you know, what you do or, or how you like what you do doesn't yeah. what you do doesn't dictate your salvation. Mm-hmm. And, you know, your earthly sinful nature, it could be the bad things or like the sinful things that are, you know that God lays out a sin, but it can also be like things that look good. Like you're going to church, you're um, like yeah. all that, all that stuff, like none of that matters. So Paul's saying, look, set your mind on Christ. Nothing else matters. Um, and then he's going to urge, uh, urge them to clothe themselves with qualities like compassion, kindness, and forgiveness. Um, sounds a lot like fruit of the spirit. Um, <laughs> there's, he's, he's just, it, he feels like, um, this is, is, I may trigger somebody by saying this, and I'm sorry if I do. But have you ever read John Maxwell?
0: Uh, I've read some of his books, yes.
1: So I I feel like if you've read three John Maxwell books, you've probably read all of his books because he just takes stuff from one and and says, and then another one says, in this other book that you've already read, probably, I'm going to talk about, I'm, you know, anyway, that's kind of what Paul, (laughs) it kind of feels like that's what Paul's doing here. I know it's not, and this is like God's word, but that's like that's why this feels like it's moving so fast because we've already talked mm-hmm. about a lot of this. Um yeah. sorry. Um, but Paul, but Paul again is going to emphasize that transformation comes through Christ. So again, those yeah. those qualities like compassion, kindness, and forgiveness, there's nothing you or I can do, or there's nothing that you and I would want to do to make those things mm-hmm. uh come to fruition. Like compassion, kindness, and forgiveness are not natural things that I want to ever do like like yeah that kind of stuff only comes through the work of christ only comes through christ working through me and saying and um but the these qualities like compassion and kindness like the only way that the only way that those are really truly seen in our lives is if they're an overflow of what christ is doing in us and what he's done through us and so Anytime we try to make any we anytime we try to manufacture compassion or kindness, it may look authentic and it may feel authentic for a minute, but over time, you're gonna like it could still end up being like that wasn't true or that you know that wasn't real. Like you could say, I forgive you for something because it's the right thing to do, but you know, like forgiving somebody as your brother in Christ in forgiving mm-hmm. them in christ like i feel like that is a much more authentic true action yeah absolutely so sorry if that felt like a roundabout way to say that but that's where i'm at right now so that's where we're at uh So uh, then the rest of chapter 3 and the beginning of chapter 4, Paul's going to talk about what a Christian life looks like. Um, Again, we're going to compare this section back to Ephesians chapters 4 and 5. But here Paul's going to give some more practical guidance on living out faith um, and what living out your faith in Christ looks like, um, grounded in love. Um, And he's going to... Encourage believers to bear with one another, to forgive as Christ forgave, and let the peace of Christ rule in their hearts. And so, yeah. you know, bear bear one another's burdens, um, you know, that's – again, that's in, that's antithetical to what my flesh wants. Like, I don't want to take on the burdens of someone else. I don't want to – like, why – why should I take on the burdens of somebody else? That doesn't make sense to me. They're they're in their mess because of the decisions
0: they made, or because of you know what. It's it's like telling your kids when they make a mess, you're like, they, and they go, "Will you help me clean up?" No, I'm not going to help you clean it up. You made the mess. You clean it up.
1: We're we're in the <laughs> we're in the stage right now where that doesn't work with our five year old. And, and what's really funny is our one year old will make a mess, and then our five year old just gets mad about the mess being made by the one year old because he knows that like. <laughs> No, now either I have to clean either he has to clean up clean up a mess or there's just is a mess. Um yeah. <laughs> anyway, so like so uh like bear with one another, forgive as Christ forgave. Again, very hard to do because Christ was forgiving the people that were nailing him on the cross and setting yeah. him up on the up on that hill. So um forgiveness is I would say forgiveness is probably the hardest quality or the hardest. Yeah. The hardest thing attribute—that's the word—the hardest attribute of Christ to live out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because like, like we know, and I, like I was just talking about, we know that forgiveness is a is a is a mandate. Like we are to forgive our our brothers, you know, seventy times seven times. Like no matter like, mm-hmm. and that that I think that like seventy times seven like that's four hundred ninety. So at the four hundred ninety first time, I have the free reign to not forgive them i don't think that's what (laughs) jesus was saying at all but like you know forgiveness like it's so easy to say i forgive you but it's much harder to live out i forgive you and um i think what paul is saying here is um don't just say it but live it out like and the only way to live it out is by um living it out through christ and by christ and um like he's the only way that can he's the only one that can help you truly forgive can help me le- help you truly show compassion help you truly yeah. um like like it, it all it all runs through christ i i think that's yeah. i think that's what i'm trying to say um and then he um he also gives instructions on uh Paul does he gives instructions on relationships within families, um, mm-hmm. what uh what a, what the Christian family looks like, um, and then with uh relationships with others. You talked a little bit about um one of the emphasis being um how our all of our relationships are impacted. Um yeah. and so that's what Paul's laying out here. Um, and then he's going to stress the importance of prayer and thanksgiving. Um, admittedly, two things I'm not great at, so um, <laughs> I, I, I don't. Me neither. I, I, I don't. I don't pray nearly enough, um, and and thanksgiving is just like the meal. The Thanksgiving meal, I'm great at. I slay <laughs> that thing. But like general thanksgiving is, is again a, a lot of the stuff we're talking about is not natural. Like is not. Yeah is does, is not in our human nature and that's why we need Christ. Um because yeah. without Christ we we can't truly live in we can't truly live with a freedom that lets us live this way. Yeah, you know. Um Yep.
0: I don't know. It's <sighs> yeah. It's it's really hard for us because to live this way is is really a communal type mm-hmm. of life. Yeah. And es- especially in 21st century American context, we are, I mean, yeah, we have planned neighborhoods and we have, you know, oh, I live in this neighborhood. I live in that neighborhood and I know my neighbors and, and I know the people that live on either side of me. I know all of those things, but we don't really have community. Mm hmm. With with the people that we live with, you know, yeah. uh, and, and I, I say this to my own detriment. When was the last time I had one of my neighbors in my house eating a meal? I can't tell you that because I don't think it's ever happened. I was about to say I know we've never had a. <laughs> it, we've you know? we've been in this house for
1: three years, and I know we've ne- we've talked we've talked to one of our neighbors about it a couple yeah. of different times, but you know. It's a, and I think, you know, th- at some point we'll stop blaming it. But the pandemic didn't really help anything. Yeah, you know, we, you know, that just isolated us even more, and almost to the point where we're almost conditioned now to like even we're conditioned worse than we were before, to yeah, not want or feel like we don't need that community. Yeah, and. You know, having been in a part of some great small groups through our church and then being in a season where we weren't in a small group and now getting back into a season where like it's a night and day difference being yeah in a community with people, you know, not like, yes, you, you need to be involved in your neighborhood. You need to you need to know the people that live around you, not just. You, you just need to build relationships with them. Like I'm saying that. Yeah. But also like if you're not in a community of other believers, you're not getting fed there either. Like, like I, f- I feel like, and I'm very guilty of this. Like I get home, I go in the house, I close all my doors, like garage door closed. Like I, I don't want to talk to anybody like I want to be in my house by myself (laughs) not talking to people yeah um, except for my family and there's times where that's necessary but more often than not that's not what we should be doing that's not what we are called to do as believers like as believers we should be out there you know interacting with our neighbors even if it's you Mm -hmm. know a five minutes you know small talk conversation that's better than nothing yeah you know Um, it's, but you know, I don't know, I don't know how to make the change personally, like for me. So I don't know what to say to help you listener make a change if you're feeling the same way. (laughs) So we'll
0: all figure it out together. We'll all figure it out. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 and I mean, don't, don't misunderstand like you don't have to have people at your house every night of the week because we understand that you have schedules and you have things and you have like ball practice. You have to do, there are certain things that you do, but man, if, if, if you're not at least making some type of concerted effort, and I, and I say this to myself because I'm not, but if you're not making some type of concerted effort to at least converse with your neighbor, Mm -hmm. um, you know, if you see them out, like you just said, spend five minutes talking to them, learn who they are. You know, I'll, I'll tell you a funny story because I always laugh. I have a neighbor across the street and I don't know why, uh, because I've never gone out there and talked to him. Um, but he cuts his grass at like eight 30 at night. And okay. I mean, like edger weed eater cutting with a flashlight on his head. Like <laughs> I'm That's like hardcore dude, You've been home for four and a half hours, and you wait until it's dark to cut your grass. <laughs> Maybe he's got night vision. Maybe he does. I don't know. That I've That's never amazing. talked to him,
1: so I wouldn't know. <laughs> you should go but, ask him. You just knock on his door. I, you should knock on his door at eight thirty a.m. and see if he's awake.
0: <laughs> well, they're usually gone early. Oh, I do gotcha. know he works for a heating and air ca- air conditioning company because I see his truck, and um, you know. But it's but it's one of those things. Like I know. I know idiosyncrasies of my neighbors, but I don't even know the guy's name. Right. Like I've, I've never talked to him. Right. Um. You know, so I don't know. It's just, we don't have, I, I say all that to say, we don't have this figured out. We're not telling you that we know what to do, but you know, shoot, send us some ideas because as Christians, we should all be thinking through this together. Right. Um. You know, what are ways that you've reached out to your neighbor? What are ways that's worked for you? Um, you know, and and because I mean, I'll I'll admit it. Part of the reason I don't go talk to my neighbors because I feel insanely awkward knocking on their door and being like, "Hey, I'm your neighbor." Um. Yep. Okay. Well, and it's almost (laughs) like it's almost
1: like to the point where now it's almost too awkward. Yeah. Like, Like you've you've passed that threshold of like, is it like when is it okay to just like. Go knock on their door just to, like to chat for a minute. Like i like, have yeah. never done it before. <laughs> why would I like? Why start now? <laughs> no, it almost has to be like an organic thing. Like you have to be out yeah. cutting the grass at the same time, or like go check them like go check the mail at the same time or something. Yeah. You know, um, and, and you know, I I say you know, it's hard. I I I assume it's hard. I don't know because I'm not doing it. But you know, it's. I imagine it's hard for everybody to make those same connections. Yeah. So like your neighbors probably don't have a ton of um community in the neighborhood either. So like like what like I guess I guess my question to myself is why are you so scared to go <laughs> to go do the thing if you're pretty sure everyone else is struggling with the same thing? scared to do the same thing. Exactly yeah, right. I don't know. So, um, I don't know if that meant to be in this episode, but here we are. That that was It was. It but anyway, love your neighbor. Um, love Onward. your word. Um, and so Paul's going to wrap up Colossians here. He's going to give some final greetings. Um, he's going to conclude the letter, um, send some personal message to messages to various individuals who are either with him or are part of the Colossian church. Um, mm-hmm. He's remember, we already talked about it specifically. He's going to mention Onesimus in uh, verse nine as a faithful and dear brother. Um, that's going to be in the context of the book of Philemon, um, which we'll talk about again in a few weeks. And then Paul's going to ask for prayers and he's going to encourage the Colossians to share this letter with the neighboring church in Laodicea. Um, so that like that fuels that fire or that fuels that um I guess it feels a fire that, you know, these letters circulated. Um, it's not just a church to the church in Colossae. Paul is yeah. saying, hey, once y'all are done with this, send it on because they yeah. need to hear some of this too. Um, and then Paul's going to close with his usual farewell, um, emphasizing his authority and grace in the gospel. Um, and that's going to be the book of Colossians. Um, you know, yep. again, Paul's main focal point throughout all of his letters has been, um, Exalt Christ, live according to him. He has all authority. Christ Mm -hmm. has all authority. You know, each each church has its own things that it's working through. But Paul's answer Mm -hmm. is fall in line with Christ's authority and these issues should work themselves out. That's right. So I think that's, you know. As we go through this, I keep I keep coming back to that thought. That thought, like, yeah, rely on Christ, and you know, life isn't going to be easy, but it's going to feel more manageable. It's going to be much more manageable. Right. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if that helps anybody, but it helped me. So, um, but there's the Book of Colossians, um, Anthony. If you don't have anything else to add to that, um,
0: would you like to pray for us tonight? I would love to pray for us. Let's pray. Let's do it. God, we thank you for another night. We thank you for another time that we can sit down and relax and um, enjoy a beer and and we can discuss your word. We're so grateful for the opportunity that you have given us. And I pray that our conversation would be fruitful, even when uh, we go off off the rails sometimes and, and we talk about things that may not necessarily be uh, what we intended to talk about. But God, I pray that those conversations would be beneficial and fruitful. And I pray that we would all learn, God, that we could all know and understand how to be better representatives of Christ to the world who is around us. And God, that we can love our neighbors and we can sh- show them Christ's compassion and we can draw them uh, to you, uh, not through anything that we do, not through anything that we say, but God's purely through your spirit uh, and it's and its drawing work that it does in people's hearts. But, God, that we would be vessels uh, who are willing and open to be used by you for your glory. And so, God, I pray that you would uh, take our conversation. You would bless it uh, and you would multiply it. And, God, that you would uh, teach us, uh, teach others the way that you have taught us. And so, so God, I pray for each person who hears this. I pray that they would uh, grow deeper in a relationship that as they study through and read through the book of Colossians, that they would see um what you need them to see uh, and God that they would understand that everything points back to Christ God that he is the supreme uh, and he is the ruler of all and God that we need to put our faith and our trust in him and allow him to do his work through us and, and God I pray that you would continue to do that on a on a day in and day out week in and week out basis uh, God that we can be better stewards uh, of your name and your glory God that, that you would teach us and show us how to do that, and we ask all of these things in the mighty name of Jesus, Amen, Amen. Well, Michael, if people wanted to reach us on social media platforms, where could they do that? You can find the Beers and Bible podcast on
1: Instagram at Beers and Bible p underscore Beers and Bible underscore yes. at Instagram uh, on Twitter slash x until Elon Musk decides to make everyone pay for it. It's Beers and Bible P1. You can find us on Facebook uh, by searching Beers and Bible Podcast. You can email us at beersandbiblepodcast at gmail.com. And
0: that's where you can find us. Well, there you go. Until next week, I hope that your beer stays cold and your Bible stays open and we'll see you later. Peace out.